the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Welcome back. We're here for another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. I am more than excited to bring to the stage Brandon Zemp, who is a childhood friend of mine. We've literally known each other since we were born, and we're both uh, entrepreneur-minded, and I wanted to bring him on today because he's figured out how to work from anywhere in the world, on his own schedule, whatever he wants, and that's because he's a crypto trader, investor, business owner. He's an upcoming Forbes book author, host of the Block Cash podcast, and head of operations for Below Columbia. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Brandon Zemp. Hi, Andrew. It's very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to share my life with your audience. Yeah, we're, we're excited too. So one of the first questions we have is kind of going along your journey is tell us about, uh, yeah, the town you grew up in and what were some of the first things you were proud of reaching as a kid between, let's say, six and 14 years old? So Andrew and I grew up together in Oregon. Both of our families were very entrepreneurial. I think that instilled a lot as kids, at least in the back of our minds, kind of growing up, kind of saw our, our parents go through a lot of ups and downs and successes and failures and, and business. And I think that's kind of shaped a lot of how we've turned out today. But when I was growing up, I was in a lot of sports. Generally, that was kind of what my focus was, mostly on football and, and saw a lot of success there early on, all the way up through high school, actually. It wasn't until I graduated high school that I kind of started to slowly figure out what I wanted to do or what direction I wanted to go. Originally, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to go into the medical field. I was always very interested with mind and psychology and how people think and why people make decisions. And so I thought it'd be pretty cool to go into the field of like neuro. Grew up in Oregon, graduated high school, went to college in California to study neuro in Los Angeles. It was a fantastic experience. Learned a lot there. Met so many people. Met some fantastic friends that are now very close to me as well. It really started opening my mind a bit more to, I guess, what else is out there, what you can do, seeing uh, how other people were brought up and what they believe in and having different viewpoints. And I think it really college shaped me as a person more than anything. It was a really great experience. I'm sure we can talk about that later as well. But anyways, got my degree in neuro, was wanting to go to medical school, and I... Throughout college, I spent a lot of time with people that I considered much smarter than me that I looked up to that were business owners, investors. So I was always going, tagging along, going to conferences, going to meetups, going to events, and kind of learning all that stuff on the side while I was in college going through all my medical courses. So by the time I graduated, I had all these people telling me that you know I should reconsider. I shouldn't go to medical school I should at least take some time off and really think about what I want to do with my future. And I was like, okay, well, this is really contradictory to everything I've learned. And I've studied and all this money has been spent and all these long hours and long nights. And I have my degree and I'm ready to go to medical school. And now everyone um, that I look up to and is smarter than me is telling me not to do it. And I'm like, fuck, great. I'm like, okay, well, then what should I do? And they're like, you should travel. You should see the world. You should really broaden your horizons even more before locking yourself into any kind of professional um, career in, in the system, because once you do that, you're, you're really stuck and committed to it, especially if you want to go into the medical field. It, it takes almost 
eight years, you know, to get from your initial starting point in grad school to finality where you actually are a doctor. Right now, I would still be in grad school or in residency trying to get my license to be a doctor. And I would probably be broke and a ton of debt. Who knows where I would be studying? I'm not all these medical schools are in fantastic cities. I probably wouldn't be very happy with my life and I probably wouldn't feel like I'm making a ton of progress. And then after the fact, once I become a doctor, a lot of those jobs aren't necessarily always the most fulfilling. Like you really have to love the profession, like totally to be in that career because you could be working on call or long nights or at a hospital. You get a very demanding job. Does it pay well? Sure. But does that justify having no freedom and no life and be able to do what you want for the first 20, 30 years of your life? My mind, no. So I was like, why would I want to do that? So I was like, okay, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to travel. I'm going to broaden my horizon, see new things, have more experiences. So I did that after college. I left. I went to Europe and Canada and Latin America and Central America, different places across the U.S. I went to as many investment meetups as possible. I went to as many conferences as possible, talked to as many people as possible, and in the end decided that there was another direction for me that I wanted to go other than medical school. So I took, I rolled the dice and said, okay, I'm not going to do it. Worst case scenario, in a couple of years, I could apply if nothing works out, but I'm going to roll the dice and go a completely different direction. And that has worked out very well for me. And that direction has been focused on the fantastic and fast moving and growing industry of blockchain and everything that entails. And I think that journey started literally at right when I graduated from college. It's been a it's been a whirlwind change, I think, over the last twenty seven years of my life, from Oregon to California to living in Vegas for a while and then to traveling and then finally being in a place where I actually have my own place, my own apartment, my own dog, my own furniture, my own home, my own life, but in a country, in a city that I never thought possible at 27 with a career that I never thought I was going to have. Wow. That's so wild. Like, and so tell us, uh, so you wanted to be a doctor and tell us more about like the, the parental influence on you. Cause I know a lot of people have like tiger moms, like they like, say, they're like, you're going to do this and whether you like it or not, you're going to do it. Did that play a role in your doctor trajectory at all? Well, when I was a kid, my original dream was to be the star quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. My parents <laughs> were like, okay, that's what you want to do. We're going to make sure that you stay focused on that all the way through high school. So it, through high school, it was nothing but football, day in and day out. Then at some point in high school, I was like, I'm going to try and make it. And then I think for my family and my parents, that shifted. And then like, okay, now we're going to focus on trying to make you a doctor. And that kind of carried over through college. And then after that, I was like, well, maybe I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of my life, there's been so many different pivots, pivot points where I've wanted to do different things. And I think as I've gotten older and matured, and have been exposed to more of what's out there. My options have expanded up like, oh, well, I didn't know I could even do that. I want to go explore that. Or maybe this is a better route for me. I actually enjoy this more than I thought or this more than what I wanted to do previously. So my parents have always been supportive of that, maybe overly supportive and pushy of it, but it's definitely helped me develop a lot of important, I think, skill sets, um, helped me develop my mindset a lot, made me very focused, made me work very, very hard, even if that wasn't like the end result for me, you know, being some star quarterback for an NFL team or, you know, being a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, some professional in, in the system or um, whatever it was didn't really matter what my end goal was. It was, 
I think what I learned over time and learning how to, to push for those things, even if it didn't pan out in the end. So family instilled a lot of things into me that I think have been very beneficial in my life, a lot of values, but yeah, there was definitely no shortage of the pushiness being there. Yeah. Interesting. I'm curious too, like, because I also know, like, knowing you from our childhood, that you did, like, running back, and I think wide receiver. I think you did uh, quarterback for a little bit, but I remember, like, weren't you more known for doing running back and corner? So when you, like, changed your mind about – I guess oh, yeah, I changed, my, I changed my mind with positions, too. Like, I was quarterback for a very long time, and I was pretty good at it, but I was fairly athletic, so I was like, why am I locking myself into playing one position? Why can't I do other stuff? So – yeah, I explored playing different positions. I played wide receiver and running back and saw a lot of success there and got attention from different colleges. And I had Princeton and Cornell looking at recruiting me. Harvard looked at me um, for a little bit. Stanford looked at me for a little while. A lot of that stuff didn't pan out because the their requirements to get in are so, so competitive. So it, it didn't really make any sense to pursue it. But I had a lot of different offers. I had a few scholarship offers that I, I kind of wish maybe I should have gone back and taken, but I didn't. Yeah, I, I've, I've tried a lot of different things within football for sure. And I've spent so much of my young life too doing it. But I've learned, even though I'm not like some professional athlete or in the Olympics or winning gold medals or doing anything crazy, I learned so much in sports that helped me in life um, as well, just like my family and what they taught me that I think has really helped make me successful and find success. And a lot of it comes down to the work ethic, having integrity, learning to manage time, manage other people, like managing other players, managing people, um, how to interact and cooperate with a group of people, work as a team. So many little things that have really benefited me in my life have come out of sports, especially. I'm sure you can probably relate to that a little. You played sports as well. You probably learned a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, no. My, 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 while you were playing football, I was I was playing basketball, and and definitely loved my basketball journey. And obviously, my dad played a lot of basketball, and your dad played for the Oregon Ducks on the football team. And so uh, we both followed our, our father's journeys and, and playing sports. And one of the reasons I love basketball so much because it is a team sport, but also if someone needs to take over, they can. And just like uh, football, a quarterback, you say, could take over if he needed to. And my question is, if you felt like you still had that passion and maintained that focus, do you feel like you could have still made it to the NFL as a quarterback and and why or why not? I think it's possible. I I see no reason why I couldn't have done it. It's kind of funny. There are some people that I see in the NFL that are very similar to me. Granted, they're far more talented and very, very gifted that had the same quirks that I had that kept me from wanting to pursue that. Like throwing the football, I always threw it very differently. But and then there's Patrick Mahomes in the NFL throwing sidearm and behind his back and looking over here and throwing that way, and he's an NFL superstar. I'm like, I did all that crap, and everyone said that I wasn't a good quarterback. He's in the NFL winning Super Bowls and massive superstar, and he's doing all that stuff. So I look yeah. at that sometimes, and I'm like, okay, he's about my age, or he's younger, and he's doing all these things. Like, yes, it's possible. I probably could have found a way to get to the NFL if that was really my goal. But there, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I don't think I would have been happy just being a professional sports athlete, assuming I made it. There were other things I wanted to explore. I was very curious. I had other goals for myself. I wanted, especially um, wanted freedom in my life. And I don't think as a professional athlete, I would have enough freedom to do what I want. Mm. Um, even being a doctor, I don't think I would have enough freedom to do what I want. So everything that I've done up to 27 
and a half, I guess, almost 28, has led up to finding ways to have this freedom in my life so I can do what I want, live where I want, buy what I want, talk to who I want, do any kind of business I want, invest in what I want. It, because life is short. There's not enough time out there. So that's the most valuable thing we all have, even beyond money. And money's a powerful tool, but there's nothing more important than time, especially time for your friends and your family and the people you care about. Why work a nine to five? Why have to work two jobs? Why have to work, you know, get stuck in the rut or feel like you're getting stuck in the rut or, you know, stuck in the system when there are ways out, it's, it's hard and you have to really figure out what you want to do and you have to fight for it. But once you do the, at the end of the day, it's, it's worth it at the horizon. So I think for me, that's always been the biggest thing, wanting to have as much free time in my life as possible to do what I want. I don't want to be locked down doing something that makes me you know, feel miserable. Yeah. And tell us more about uh, where that desire for freedom came from and what, what, what that freedom means to you. What does freedom mean? Yeah, where it came from and what it means to you? I don't know. I saw a lot of my family and friends and people I knew that, that were very close to me that I liked that weren't very happy. Mm. And I knew it all stemmed from work and having no time. And I was like, why do people have to live like this? Why can't I make good money? And still be able to do whatever I want in the day. Why can't I sleep into eight, go to the mall and take my dog for a walk and go have a good lunch and hang out and have a glass of wine and then work when I want to work. If I want to work from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. at night and hang out the rest of the day, why can't I do that? Why can't people do that in life? Um, I think people are told what their expectations for life should be, what they should be doing, how they should be working. And they don't ask themselves, how do they want to set up their life? so that it's ideal for them and what they want to do. I'm not saying I do nothing 24 hours a day. I just, I want to work when I want to work. And I want to be able to say that I can drop what I'm doing and go be there for a friend. Or if my family needs me, I can clear my entire week and go hang out with them. Or if I want to walk my dog, I'll fucking walk my dog. If I want to cancel a meeting, I'll cancel a meeting. Having control over your, your time and your life is very valuable. It gives you so much flexibility and opens up opportunities because maybe that one important meeting that's going to be at two o'clock that changes your life. Most people can never attend because they have to go back to work after lunch. Mm-hmm. But because I can say, you know, cancel everything. I don't care. I'm going to that meeting. I'm able to take advantage of that opportunity. And I'm able to do that because I've done that over and over again. And I've tried to set myself up with more opportunity. And that only comes with freedom of time. So if you don't have freedom of time, you're really limiting yourself. At least in my opinion. I love that. I love that. So, yeah, that's the point of this interview is going into how you created that for yourself. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit. So, actually, let's dive into that now. So, here you are going, gosh, I want that freedom. I want to wake up when I want, go to bed when I want, uh, cancel meetings when I want to cancel meetings, walk my dog when I walk my dog. So, let's go back to your, your journey timeline-wise. You just graduated college. You're like, okay. I know I'm being told I'm, I shouldn't be a doctor. I know being a doctor doesn't come with freedom. I want that freedom. And so let, let's dive into, yeah, let's see, say where you are. You just graduated college. How did you create that? Tell us the journey of how you created that financial freedom for yourself starting from college to where you are today. Yeah, when I got out of college, I had a little money saved up. I was also smart enough and fortunate enough to invest it into Ethereum at the time. Mm. And that was kind of one of my first entry points into this whole world of blockchain and crypto that I kind of live in now. And I, I put a little bit of money in it and it went up and I had a lot of extra money. And then being fresh out of college, I didn't have anything to spend money on other than, you know, 
food and a place to sleep. So I was like, why, why not take a year, at least a year and just go see the world and take this money that I have that I was able to invest and, and turn around. And that's a whole different story. I figured out I was also very good at investing too. Not to pay off tremendously for me. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about that as well. But yeah, having a little extra cash because I, I made a good investment and having freedom after college and knowing I don't have to do anything and being in college for four years and not having time and then all of a sudden having all the time in the world. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. What would I do with my time? You know, traveling was the biggest thing that I did after I just put myself in the most uncomfortable positions and the most uncomfortable places and push myself to get out of my comfort zone as much as possible because I knew that if I didn't, I would always have a certain viewpoint of certain things or the world or how things work. You know, it, it was difficult for me to go to Brazil. I had to get a visa, I had to apply for it. It was a it was very far away. It was the longest trip I ever took. And I didn't know anybody there, but I went anyways. Same thing with Argentina, same thing with Colombia, which I where I live now. Europe, went to different places in Canada, put a lot of my time in Latin America, went to a bunch of different places in the U.S. I've always wanted to go to. And I did almost all of these things alone, on my own money, on my own time. And that was really good for me because it forced me to grow up even faster. And it forced me into uh, situations that were uncomfortable that I had to figure out sometimes on the fly, like, where was I going to stay? What was I going to eat? How do I say this in this language? (laughs) Um, how do I convert my money? How do I, you know, do all kinds of things? And then I would not just go to these countries and like hang out, have a nice tea, but you know, I'd go and I'd talk to realtors or I'd talk to investors or I'd go to some event or I'd go out to a party and try and meet more people and just interact. And on top of that, you know, meeting as many people as possible was also really important because the more people I met, the more my network got bigger, the more opportunities began to open up the more I learned from other people's experiences and what they did and what they went through I learned through culture economics you know how things are different outside of the U.S. it was I'd say like a big crash course for me as soon as I left college in that first year it radically changed how I thought about things and it radically changed how I approached everything I did and I think after that first year, I started to really figure out what I wanted to do. And then after that, it just came down to me working as hard as possible to start making that happen. And then figuring out how to set up my life so that I could have the things I wanted. That included where I want to live, how I was going to pay for everything, how I was going to make my income, how could I have control over my expenses and impulses so I didn't lose my money? What could I invest in? I spent a lot of time educating myself and it was for a lot of that time very brutal because I, I sacrificed going out to parties and hanging out with friends and sacrificed going to medical school or just getting a job or doing something everyone else was doing. And then, you know, four years removed or five years now, it's been five years since 2017. Yeah. Five years later, all these people that jumped out of college and went for a job or, you know, kind of struggling still realizing the world is harder and tougher and, um, they're not really making the money they want to make or have the time they want. Their expectations are kind of shot. They realize it wasn't what they thought it was. And I have five years of experience just in the real world, really putting myself in these situations and learning. Um, I think it's actually something that's a big problem in, in society. What was the big problem you think is in society? I think it has this expectation that society places on students when they come out of college saying that, you know, 
they'll be able to get the job they want. All they got to do is show their degree and they get this six figure job and they get the life and they can live wherever they want and do all these things. But the reality is it's not, and it sucks. And they realize they can't get that job. They're giving the job to someone that doesn't have the degree that has five years of experience ahead of them. They realize that they have to work their way up the ladder or that living in a certain city they wanted was far more expensive than they thought. And they have to live with their, with a bunch of friends or they have to really cut down on their expenses and, and they don't have a lot to start with, or they didn't ever invest their money in college or try and diversify it early. And they spent it all on alcohol and booze and parties and um, doing crazy things. And um, I don't think it's necessarily their fault because society just teaches them that's how it is. And I saw everyone going left and I decided to go right. You know, five years later, I have people that are very close friends of mine that have, you know, started asking me for jobs or asking me for help to invest or asking me what I did differently so they can do something similar. And I'm like, you know, it, it took a lot of time. It's not like something quick that I figured out. It, it, you have to really put yourself in a bunch of different situations and really expand upon, you know, what you already know and what you learned and you have to branch out. And I think, I don't know, I think the system just creates a really bad dichotomy where they, they tell these students, you know, fresh out of college that they're going to have everything they want, but life is brutal. And it's just not, not, you know, what the reality is and no one's giving anybody a reality check anymore. And I kind of feel really bad every time someone comes up to me and they tell me their story about how they got out of college and they went for all these things and just didn't pay an out. Sometimes I don't even know what to say. I'm just like, you, you really got to go out there and figure out what you really want. And you got to stop listening to the system because the system wants you in the system. It's a system. There is no system without you being plugged into it. So I, I don't know. I think the biggest thing is don't get sucked into it. You know, expand, expand your mind and expand your skill set and expand your values and you know, try and do something different. Something that I, that's the, basically what I try to do. And that panned out very well for me. I'm sure it would pan out for a lot of people if they weren't too afraid to do it. And that's another thing is fear. Yeah, I do want to dive into the, the investing conversation. Like, obviously, it's paid off for you. It's gone well for you. And, and you said, well, thing is, Andrew, people don't realize how much work, how much time, how much effort I put into my investing process. Mm-hmm. And, but if people did want to be like you and say, okay, how can I be as smart as Brandon, as good as investor as Brandon, what, what do you think it, it takes to um, yeah, be a successful investor like you are, essentially? I was waking up as early as I could to maximize my day because I knew that um, I only had a set amount of money. I had a budget. I had to work with that budget. I had to expand my income and I had to educate myself and I had to take this time that I had that I wanted and I had to apply it in ways that were going to elevate me and help me progress. So I was waking up as early as possible. I was listening to every educational podcast I could listen to in the first couple hours in the morning while I'm having coffee, making breakfast, um, doing a workout. I was reading every book I could, trying to read a book a week, more or less a couple books a month. I was going to different conferences and events and I was talking to as many people as possible and on top of traveling and and networking and getting in front of as many people as possible and just kind of sharing my ideas and and starting to build relationships, tried to learn from other investors and other business owners, you know, what, what they did, what were some of the mistakes they made and their failures and how I could apply that to what I wanted to do into my life. I wanted to get into investing because I found out I was pretty good at it. I figured out I could take, a lot of what I learned analytically with my neuro degree and I could apply it to trading and I was pretty good at it. Like I could look at a chart and I could say with confidence that 
I think it's going to do this or I think it's going to do that. I understood how studies worked. I knew how to apply them. And I invested a lot of my time and money in, into that and was able to generate a decent amount of income for someone that was 23, 24 at the time that gave me enough money to keep doing this and to get by and to keep investing a little into my business and into different cryptos and stocks and to give me more time to educate myself and just stabilizing my life. And once I stabilized, I could just keep adding a layer onto it, a new book, a new podcast, new information, learning from a new person, going somewhere new, traveling to a new place, and eventually just that constant education and sacrificing all the things, all the temptations, all the big parties and events that you could go to and being pulled left and right by most of your friends. I was able to really keep making progress to the point where my income started slowly going up. My investments started getting a little bit bigger, making a couple hundred dollars a week, start turning into a couple thousand dollars in a week. Having a business with maybe one client start to turn into a business with 10 clients, 20 clients. And then that branched out to where I want to live, going from living in, in Oregon to living a bit more where I wanted to live. I wanted to live in a big city. I was able to start kind of living in Las Vegas and then after traveling, I found out um, more about Colombia, and I loved Colombia, and I ended up moving here, and things were even cheaper. The opportunities were more wide and varied. More people were eager to work. Wages were cheaper. Um, the dollar went so much farther. My expenses went down for food and rent and you name it. So I was like, okay, and this is a beautiful city. I love it. Why can't I live here? and enjoy even more benefits of having more income at my disposal that I could apply to more things to progress even faster in my life. Um, most people think about how can they make more money, more money all the time, but they don't think about how can they bring their expenses down. They have money coming in sometimes, but it's just going out as fast as it's coming in. No one thinks about how can you you know, lower your expensive expenses to be as low as possible uh, so that you can maximize how much extra money you have to do other things with. So that made sense to me. And I need to be in a place that I love, but also a place where I was going to have more income to freely use. Medellin made a lot of sense to me and living in Colombia for all those reasons. And that was allowed me to take things even to a higher level where I had more money that I could invest into business down here and investments down here and learning about how much of an emerging economy it is, all the opportunities that come out of an emerging economy versus the U.S. being a very highly saturated economy where everyone wants to go to the U.S. Colombians, all they want to do when they graduate college, they want to go to the U.S. and get a U.S. job. They want to go there. They want to make dollars. They they want to be in a big city, um, and it's not practical. And I, I want to do the opposite. I want to come to Colombia because it's growing, and when something's growing, there's more opportunities to do business. There's cheaper investments. It's an easier place to live, and that was a huge, huge component to me being able to find success and ideally set up the life I want. And that has led to so many different things down here as well. I'm not quite sure what else you'd want to talk about regarding that, but at least from an investing standpoint, it really helped me grow that, that base of money I had to invest with slowly over time, having that extra capital. it go from, okay, I have $10,000 to invest, and now I have $20,000 I can invest, and everything in my life has stayed the same. And then now I have $50,000 I can invest in everything in my life has stayed the same. And instead of blowing $50,000 on a car the next day, I just keep compounding that until it go up and up. And then I could take 
that money and diversify it into other things. And then I have two pools of money I could invest with and then three or four pools of money I could invest with. And that was making me money. And that allowed me to start putting it in all kinds of different places. While at the same time, my life stayed exactly the same. My expenses stayed exactly the same. And I think that's the beauty of compounding your money and not letting it just go right out the gate. I think that's a big problem with a lot of young people. Somehow you make a lot of money. Um, you get paid for something, then they go out to the club and they spend five grand or <laughs> they go have a big party and they lose a couple hundred dollars or they go on a big trip and travel somewhere fun. And there's three grand at Ibiza or two grand in Tulum. And it's you could have done so much with that money if you just didn't go on that trip, if you just waited. So many things here. Time management, uh, um, money management, expense and budgeting management, um, learning to compound your money and not let it just flow right out the gate. Setting yourself up, putting yourself in the right place um, around the, at the right time to stabilizing your life so it's not fluctuating like crazy. Having a, um, a stable lifestyle in terms of income and stress and drama and being able to relax and think clearly and do the things you want to do and have the same amount of time. Again, it's not easy. It takes a lot of time to figure that out because everyone's different and wants to do different things. But for me, that was the most important thing was figuring out all those key aspects and, and stabilizing my life so that I could go do all these things and figure out ways to progress. Oh, my gosh, Brandon, this is such amazing information. Uh, thank you for dropping uh, so much wisdom and these golden nuggets. And this is, this is super helpful. And I, I love how you talked about that, you know, the importance of the basics, the principles, the foundations, like please make sure you're having self-care, making sure you're being smart with your money and making sure you're driving down expenses. And obviously it sounds like you did most of your investing just in the crypto blockchain market, right? You didn't really touch the normal stock market. Yeah. If I, if I talk too much, you can jump in or intervene or cut me off or just you're tell good, me to you're shut good. up. Sorry, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> I talk too much. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was in crypto and blockchain. That's primarily where I've put a lot of my focus. Some of it has been the stock market and stuff like that. But um, the reason I've put most of it in crypto is, one, I felt like I under I really understood what the technology is going to do for people and where it's going to go. And I saw value in that. And at the same time, it's incredibly volatile. So when you're trying to get a fast start in life and you're trying to grow tremendously and make progress, sometimes a very... And you're already rolling the dice at life, being in an industry that's incredibly volatile. If you're smart and you're careful and have good risk management skills, can yield fantastic results for you. For crypto, um, I started off doing everything from investing in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the big uh, household names everyone knows in, in crypto. And have held a lot of those for a long time. There's stuff I bought five years ago I still haven't sold. There's stuff that I, I trade on a weekly, monthly basis. And there's, you know, thousands and thousands of cryptos out there. So don't ask me what the best thing to invest in is. There is no right or wrong thing to invest in in this space. It's just timing. The crypto stuff aside, the technology behind it, blockchain, I saw the tremendous value that had as well and how that could do so many good things for society, how it could fix so many issues that we have today that could fix a lot of broken logistics and supply systems, um, could help fix a lot of government issues we have and create solutions, could help businesses optimize and make more money. The potential for it is completely endless because it's a te technology that's very completely decentralized. So there's no middlemen involved. There's no one corrupting it. 
it's something you can completely trust, have 100% certainty in. It allows for authenticity and verification. Those little nuggets can lead to so many different things and so many different use cases and applications. So other than you know investing, I wanted to do something active in this industry. I wanted to build a business in this space, seeing all the opportunities. So I set up uh, my company in the U.S., Blockash, and that originally served as a consultancy. I educated myself as much as possible on it so that I could educate other people and then charge them for it. That made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many questions. And I was like, I want to be the one to answer these questions. And they can pay me to answer the questions. That's a great yeah. business model. That's easy. Yeah. Um, and it's it's low overhead and low expenses at first. So it's not something that's going to like siphon every dollar you have out of your pocket. So I was like, okay, fantastic business idea. So I did that. And then out of that came more educational stuff I wanted to do, like the podcast. And the podcast um, was where I learned even more about the industry. And I think where I saw even more growth personally, being able to invest in this space, because I wanted to do something like this, what we're doing now, and educate other people about blockchain. But what I found out is as I kept having these CEOs and founders and authors and influencers in the space all come on my show, they were educating me. And I was learning even more about, um, you know, blockchain. I was learning about podcasting. I was learning about business. I was learning about um, their startups. I was learning about how they were able to acquire capital, where they set up their companies, uh, the struggles and the hurdles they went through, the regulations. There's so many things that I learned just listening to them. And I was like, oh, my God, is this for me or is this for my audience? I That was something that has been free for a very long time. I've never wanted to charge my audience anything. I deliberately have taken on no sponsors for the most part because I wanted it to feel just as relaxed and authentic of a podcast as possible. I wanted people to be able to tune in and just hear a conversation the same way you tune in to Joe Rogan. Um, you know, even though he does do sponsors, you tune in and from start to finish, it's just one long, unedited, unclipped authentic conversation. Logan Paul does that. There's a lot of great podcasters. They just have one fluid, authentic, real conversation and it's consumable and it's fantastic, especially in a world where everything on the internet, everything on social media is fake and it's really refreshing for a lot of people. I think that's how things are going to start trending um, in the future because it seems to engage people quite a lot, even if you do it for hours on end. So I wanted to do something similar, but I want to do it for blockchain. And that worked out very well for me. And the podcast grew tremendously as thousands of uh, subscribers on Spotify and is starting to really pick up down here in Colombia slowly and hopefully can do more stuff in Spanish. Yeah. I want to branch out to a completely different language market outside of the podcast and outside of investing, wanted to do more hands-on stuff and do more active business other than investing. Because the great thing about Investing is, yeah, I can make a lot of money and I can sustain my life and do whatever I want. But investing itself also takes up a lot of my time. Podcasting takes up a lot of my time. Even though I enjoy it and I choose to do it and I can choose not to do a podcast one day, I can choose not to even try and invest one day. Um, It hurts my bottom line if I don't do it. So I wanted to look for other ways to, you know, make money more passively, I guess or do other things. I didn't want to be locked into trying to invest and staring at a screen 12 hours a day. It, yeah. It's not practical long-term. It works when you're young and you have the energy and I still have the energy. I can do it, but I know that in a couple more years, it's going to burn me out 
And what happens if I get burned out and I don't want to do it anymore or I make a bad trade or my podcast starts suffering or my consultancy starts falling off. And then all of a sudden that life I've built starts to dwindle and go away and then I'll have a huge issue. So for me, it's not just trying to grow it, but sustain it long term and build out my future. I set up a business down here in Colombia as well called Block Colombia. It's another consultancy just like the one I had in the U.S., except it allows me to do more hands-on business down here. And it's already gotten off to a really hot and fast start. And I kind of expected that to happen because of the opportunity down here. It's, again, so saturated in the U.S. You have so much competition, so many people applying for the same jobs, uh, so many people competing with you. It's, it's really hard and it's a struggle. And it's a very big country and economy. Columbia is a lot smaller. It's not as well built up as the U.S. There's more opportunity because it's an emerging economy. And out of emerging economies come a lot of leeway, less regulation, less framework, less uh, hurdles to go through. Sometimes things can be a bit slower and can be a headache because the systems aren't as good maybe in the U.S. But once you figure out how to navigate all that stuff, you're able to find clients a lot easier. You're able to set up partnerships a lot easier. And that's what we've been able to do with the company down here. And uh, what I thought was going to happen, and it has panned out, we've, um, in the first month, signed a contract with a gold company in Colombia to produce NFTs that are backed by gold. We have a partnership with a political party in Colombia, and I never thought that I'd be involved in politics in any kind of way, but now I am. Um, we're, we're, We're making a senator, the first senator in the world, to use NFTs as the lead marketing tool for his campaign, which will be launching on Wednesday, Wednesday uh, February 2nd, Wednesday, February 2nd, or sometime around noon, uh, they'll do an announcement on Facebook. They're going to start rolling out some pre-announcements today for it. So we have a partnership with a political party. We have pending partnerships with collectors of mass, uh, collectors with tons of fine art, like uh, Monet's and Rubens and Casos that want to, Put those on blockchain as well to help prove provenance and authenticity and maybe create an NFT for it or fractionalize it. We have big, big real estate companies that want to work with our company uh, to potentially put houses and apartments and land on blockchain. Coffee farms that want to improve their supply chain logistics so they can make more money with blockchain that are also potential clients. So many things that have just kind of sprung onto the table because once someone found out there was a legit blockchain consultancy now in Colombia, everyone wanted to figure out how they could utilize it to make more money and fix their their systems and their issues, everything from government to corporate to small businesses, SMEs to individuals and investors and art collectors and you name it. We've had so many different inquiries and so many pending partnerships um, to smart city deals to potentially um, pitching a blockchain solution to the president of El Salvador. There's all kinds of things that are going on uh, in Colombia around blockchain. So many people are excited about it. It's created so much business for us right out the gate in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and once some of these partnerships finish up, it's going to lead into other possible clients as well. I'm assuming because there's a lot of people watching to see if this NFT campaign for the Senator works out, if this uh, gold NFT project works out, you know, if this pan out, there's going to be other clients that are going to want to utilize us to help them with their solutions and their problems. And, I really think it's going to be a huge opportunity for Colombia to grow even faster. And I think they just had a, an MOU memorandum of understanding between Singapore and Colombia to bring over even more tech, everything from blockchain and smart cities to AI and 
you name it, there's a lot of cool stuff rolling into Columbia and we're trying to be at the forefront with our company, at least with one technology, consulting at a really high level for, for governments and business, government and businesses and different cities and senators and mayors and trying to put solutions together. And that's definitely kept me incredibly busy, but it's great because it's also given me a way to take my my life and how I've been able to make money and set up you know, the way I want to live to a different level outside of just sitting at home and staring at a screen and trying to invest or just doing the podcast. Now I have something else I can do that will make me a lot of money, but that will also take my life in a different direction. And then on top of that, I have a book that's coming out with Forbes um, that was signed last year. Uh, the book is actually completely done and it's going to be the first book published in uh, the Forbes books lineup about blockchain. So that's going to be really exciting. It's going to be really cool. An official Forbes books author as of right now. So that's pretty cool. The, yeah, that's that's something I never thought would happen too. It was like, cause one, one goal I've always had, um, sorry to ramble on trying to get a bunch of thumbs out for you. I wanted to get to be on Forbes 30 under 30. Like that was been my goal for a long time. I never knew if it was going to be realistic or not, but I knew that if I took a bunch of steps and could get affiliated with Forbes in any kind of way, maybe there was a possibility, a potential I could get on that radar. And getting a book deal with Forbes was a huge, huge entry point opportunity for me. Um, at 27, gives me a couple more years. You know, maybe if I can make a couple million dollars and have a book with them, <laughs> yeah. maybe I can get on their radar and I can get on that 30 under 30 list. That'd be really cool. I don't really care if I make a list like that. It's it's just having something to aim for. Like if you have like a really high lofty goal and you fight for it, even if you don't get it, you're going to land somewhere great. You know, as, as the saying goes, you should always shoot for the moon because even if you miss, you're still going to land among among the stars. You got to have lofty goals. You got to push yourself. None of this stuff that I'm doing would happen unless I had those lofty goals that most people would think even for themselves is completely unrealistic. But when you have them, you start aiming for higher things and you start doing things you didn't think you were going to do or you didn't think were possible. And I think when you do that, the universe has a way of aligning you so that you can get on that path and go that direction. I don't even remember what the original question was you asked, but that's kind of everything that's happened to me after college (laughs) uh, up to now. And there's so much that we're excited about, so much I'm excited about and that we're doing. And, and it's it's not enough for me. I'm, I'm one of those people that's incredibly competitive, very, very competitive. I'm always trying to push myself. Um, you know, having a book with Forbes is not good enough for me. Having a business down here that's off to a great start, even more than it, it should, uh, it's not good enough for me. Having my podcast where it is is not good enough for me. Not that I'm an egotistical asshole or anything like that, but personally, I, I want to push myself. And that's a huge takeaway people need to keep in mind is if you aren't pushing yourself, what's the point in living? The whole point in living is to see how far you can go in life. So why not try and reach as far as you can possibly reach and go as far as you can possibly go? And, you know, if you're able to do that, if you're able to have a competitive mindset, at least with yourself, that's another thing that's going to lead to a lot of success. Love that. Yeah, you're, you're a quote machine, Brandon, just the fact of <laughs> going after big lofty goals, staying focused, the importance of b- being tenacious and, and shooting for the stars, landing on the moon. So I, I love that all. And for someone who's like, okay, Brandon's inspired me. I want to get into investing. I want to become wealthy like him. I want to be able to compound my money. Um, what 
tell us more about so it sounds like what you'd say like someone's like okay Brian, i want to be an expert crypto investor you like sounds like you'd start saying okay start reading a bunch of crypto books start listening to crypto podcasts figure out how much money you can invest per week and then figure out how to keep adding more more risk or more reward opportunities is that am i kind of accurate about all that i don't know man there's so many things you can possibly do so much advice i could possibly give you know but at the end of the day you know, people really got to think about what they want to do and they got to think about what makes them happy. I think the most important thing in life is doing what makes you happy more than anything. Um, again, life is very short and some people, unfortunately, it can get cut short. If you're not doing what you're happy, uh, personally, I think you're failing in life. Like it doesn't matter how much money you make. I know people that are incredibly rich they have all the money in the world and they're miserable. And a lot of them are jumping off buildings and, you know, committing suicide and, they're unhappy and um, they've, they sought pleasure so much that nothing pleasures them anymore. Nothing can make them happy. I, I know people that have a lot of free time in their life, but they're not pursuing anything that makes them happy. And they feel lost. They feel stuck. They feel trapped. I could give one piece of advice. It's pursue what makes you happy. Because if you're doing what makes you happy, eventually you'll figure out how to align it with the rest of your life. It is probably the single most important thing that they can take away. Yeah, 100%. And... And so going back to, so would you say though investing makes you happy? Do, do you get joy out of going through the investing? I, I love it. I, I love numbers. <laughs> I'm numbers. crazy. Uh-huh. Um, and it's challenging for me. And I like that challenge. I feel like there's so many people in the world that are trading and investing and I'm competing with all of them. They're all trying to make money and I'm trying to figure out how they're making money so I can make money. <laughs> and I can literally go into my own world and invest and I'm incredibly happy. You might ask if I'm happy and I'm doing that, why why change and do anything else? And it's because I'm competitive and I, I want to do more. If I want to be happy, it's not just investing. It's There's so many other things I want to do in life. Um, and to achieve that, I have to you know get out of where I'm comfortable. Even if I'm having success and in just investing, I got to figure out ways to get outside of that so that I can you know be happy and try new things and go new places and have different experiences, start new businesses and um, and I think there's a lot of things that we find out make us happy in life that we didn't know made us happy until we, we find out. It's like if you lived in a box, you would only know what would make you happy in that box because you don't know what's outside of it. Yet you get out of the box and you find out that there's so many awesome, cool things in other boxes and other people's boxes and, and boxes on shelves and boxes under beds. And all, and all of a sudden, there's all places you can find happiness. So. You got to get out of your box and, and go look at some other boxes. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And if someone doesn't like investing, but they like money and being able to have that that freedom that money provides mm-hmm. from that investing, what what advice would you give to someone who's like, okay, I know I need to start investing, but I don't I don't like numbers, but I know I need to do it. What what, what advice would you give to them? If you want to make money. There's a lot of ways you can make money. You just, again, you have to figure out what you like. If it's investing, you have to like investing. You have to like numbers a little bit. You have to like doing research. You have to like looking at companies and balance sheets, looking at news every single day and pulling up aggregators. You have to really enjoy investing. The problem is there's a lot of people that see that you can make money investing, and it's true. You can make a lot of money investing. They just want to put their money in, hope it goes up, and then pull it out. They don't want to put in any of the work. And they might not even have a passion for it. 
And what happens is they take a large amount of money thinking they're just going to get rich and they invest it and they put in no work. They don't look into it. They don't pay attention to it every single day. They don't try and learn more about it. And eventually, you know, they miss an opportunity or it goes down or they lose all their money. Um, investing is a very mentally exhausting thing where I'm not putting in money an hour later, I'm making a thousand dollars and then I'm just going out the rest of the day and partying. <laughs> it's not how it works. Um, there's a lot of successful day traders out there. And if you really watch what they do, it's a lot of work. They're not, you know, just you know, killing it for an hour and then enjoying life. They're working all day long, sometimes longer than people that work in nine to five. Um, there are times where I've waken up at like three in the morning to execute a trade because crypto is 24 seven globally and doesn't ever sleep. So I always have to have my, my eyes on it. So I have notifications set up. So when something happens that I think is important, I get notified, even if it's at 3 a.m. So there's times I have to wake up at 3 a.m. to execute a trade. And then I go back to bed and I wake up at seven and realize that if I didn't have sold at seven, I would have lost 10% of my money at seven. It's very dangerous. You, you can't sleep on it. You can't, you know, not try. You can't just think it's a get rich quick scheme. Like anything else that can make you a lot of money in life, you have to net a lot of personal work into it. And you have to invest a lot of yourself and a lot of into educating yourself to be anywhere good at it that. Um, I have been able to, to actually put a life together. Any good day trader is. Um, it's, it's really not that simple. And you can't ask me to trade for you because that's not legal, unfortunately. And there's not a lot of people that can trade on your behalf. Um, those people are called hedge funds and private equity firms, and they don't really have your best interest in mind anyways. Mm. So again, you want to you invest and make a lot of money. Make sure that you actually like it or it's not going to work out for you. So you might as well, again, do something you like. And then figure out how to make money from that. I love that. And if people do want to learn how to get good at investing or enjoy it, what are, are there any recommended uh, books or podcasts that you would send their way to help give them a head start on things? There's a lot of good investment podcasts. There's a lot of good YouTube channels. Um, there's a lot of good books you could read. I would just say look for as many as possible. There isn't one in particular you really should uh, pay attention to. If you like crypto, you can always follow my podcast. You can learn directly from like the CEOs and the founders of all these companies in the industry. If you're interested in NFTs, we just did an episode with CEO from Mintable. We've had the CEO of OpenSea on before. Wow. Um, we, we've had the CEO for Super Rare and I think Rarible, uh, Saatchi Art. They have like a million followers and they, they do a lot of stuff with art and getting into art NFTs. I've had a lot of people on from a lot of these big platforms. And you can learn a lot about where these guys are going and what kind of partnerships they have in the pipeline and how they might pan out. They would teach you how to, you know, potentially invest in them, their, their tokens or in NFTs on their platforms. If you're in, uh, interested in that specifically, if you're interested in NFTs and investing in NFTs and you need to learn from very specific sources, um, like my podcast, for example, if you want to invest in real estate, don't listen to my podcast. I don't talk about real estate, <laughs> but uh, there are there are places you can go to learn about that stuff. So first figure out what it is you're really interested in. What do you like so that your attention gets retained, whether it's NFTs, real estate, whatever. And then after you figure that out, then you can start narrowing down what are the best sources to learn from? Who's the best person in this field? Who's 
really an authority figure that can talk about this stuff and give good sound advice about how to get started. And there's so much information out there from podcasts and shows and movies to series to um, YouTube channels that are actually really good at this stuff these days. You can follow along and learn every single day to get better at understanding what the industry is. And then once you figure out, think you have a good understanding, then you should be going and interacting with these people in person if possible. Go to events and conferences and meetups and surround yourself with all these people and learn even more about what they're not telling you online and what they don't share in the educational sources. What did they fail at? What was a bad investment they made? What were the mistakes they made? They don't always talk about that on YouTube videos and reels and TikToks. You can get good tips and advice, but you don't learn the full story. So go learn the full story and and dive even deeper into it. Like really fully immerse yourself into whatever it is you like if you're going to invest in it. And then after you've done all of that and you've learned a ton and you've got a comprehensive understanding of whatever topic it is, then you can go invest. Because then you're going to know if you like it, if you're going to pay attention, if you're going to make a good investment, um, if you're going to have good risk management skills, if you're going to be very calm, if you're going to have control over your emotions, which is another issue with investing, if you're going to understand that it's okay to lose 5% one day because you could probably make it up plus more, up to maybe 10 or 15% in a month or two, um, having patience. There's so many things that go into investing specifically. So Start from point A and work yourself up the ladder before you even make that first investment. Don't don't jump in too fast. Don't make that mistake. Don't create that negative expectation and then you know ruin your view of what investing is because that's what happens. People think they can make a lot of money. They go for it. They lose it. And then they think investing is terrible. And it's just because they made a bad investment doesn't mean investing is terrible. And that can apply to everything. So educate, learn, get out there, you know, Boots on the ground. Fill your head with knowledge. Like very simple stuff. Yeah. And and going back to more more tangible advice, what is so do you think people should be investing ten percent of their income, five percent, twelve percent, and should they put up like five percent of that ten percent into crypto, five percent of that ten percent into gold? What what would you recommend as some starting points of like tangible, hey, if you want to get on the track on being a good investor, here's some tangible advice for that. Yeah. So here's my non-investment advice, advice. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Yes. (laughs) Um, Because I can't give you any of you guys direct investment advice, but I can tell you what I do and I can give you an idea of what you should consider. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's say you've done all that education and you've really, you know, gotten yourself up to speed on what's going on in that specific industry or niche that you're interested in. Um, You know, invest what you're comfortable in. If, like the great thing about crypto is you can invest as little or as much as you want. Any time of day, at any point in time, you can sell it at any point in time, buy it at any point in time. It's fantastic. It's a very, very open and complex global market, which gives you a lot of different avenues. So if you don't have a lot of money, let's say you have a hundred bucks to invest. Perfect. You can invest that in Bitcoin very easily. Bitcoin doubles in price in the next six months. Great. You have 200 bucks. Even though you know you only made a hundred bucks, that's a success that you can build on. And that's fantastic. Likewise, you have, let's say a million dollars. You can drop that into Bitcoin very easily. That doubles in six months. Fantastic. You made a million dollars. Congratulations. Certain industries are a lot easier to get into immediately. 
Real estate is a lot harder to get into. You need more capital. Uh, sometimes you need to get a bank loan. Sometimes you need to understand, depending on where you live, how things can fluctuate with, with the housing market, what can cause ups and downs, what events could cause different changes, migrations of people moving from one area to another, what makes a market a, market, a hot market or a cold market. There's a lot of little things, and then you have to invest a lot more money. You got to invest usually like six figures, unless you're buying something uh, a lot smaller, a lot cheaper. But usually, a good investment, you're going to spend probably six figures, anyways. Initially, not everyone has that capital just laying around, um, so it might not be the initial place you invest in right away. Whereas you can invest in the stock market, and it's a little bit more accessible. Uh, you could invest privately in new startups. You could be an angel investor or a seed round investor. If you do have a lot of capital, those are fantastic ways to make money very quickly. If you understand how to flip shares, you could invest into farms and agriculture. You could invest into futures markets. You could invest in currencies and Forex. You could you could invest into a business and actually have an actual business. <laughs> Put your money where your mouth is and do something that you like to do. Start a restaurant, start a consultancy like I have. You want to get into construction, go build a building. You know, there's a lot of things you could invest your money into. Again, you just got to figure out what it is you like the most and then figure out how to navigate that specifically. There isn't like one direct allocation you can make. I can't say that if you put 10% in crypto and 5% in real estate, you're going to be rich in 10 years. There's so many factors that go into that. What house are you buying? What market are you buying it in? Are you buying at the right or wrong time? What crypto are you buying? You could lose all that overnight if you're not paying attention. Uh, That happens to a lot of people. Again, There's no specific way to allocate any of your income. I would just say, look for the easiest avenues for the things you like. Say, what are you comfortable losing? If you have $1,000 and of that $1,000, you're comfortable investing and potentially losing $500, then you should only invest $500. Um, Because at the end of the day, you have to understand that you're taking a risk. And if you're rolling the dice, you know, that $500 could be gone the next day. Best case scenario, that $500 could turn into $10,000. Who knows what happens? But you have to have good risk management skills. You have to say, what are you comfortable losing? What income is disposable to you that you can invest? What income is not being counted towards paying your bills and your expenses and uh, any debt you have, any obligations? Are you still going to be able to afford your rent and pay for food at the end of the day? You have, you have to budget correctly. You have to be very careful. So everyone's situation is completely different. Everyone has different budgets and pools of money to play with. But there's no excuse. Everyone should be able to invest. There's an avenue for everybody to invest incredibly cheap. Um, everybody has $10. I'm pretty sure everyone, for the most part, they really tried, they could find 100 bucks. Everyone can invest. So don't be lazy. Don't let fear hold you back. Um, there's no reason why you can't. It's just time and effort at the end of the day. I love that. I love that. One, as we're uh, wrapping up, we have a couple last questions. And one of the questions is, if peop- if you were to just give one takeaway from this whole hour-long conversation of amazing advice that you provided today, what, what would one takeaway you would uh, want people to know when it comes to gaining that financial and location freedom that you've been able to acquire? Again, the biggest thing is always do what makes you happy in life. Because again, life is short and you never know when it's going to be cut short. So do what makes you happy, be happy, be with the people that make you happy, live in a place that makes you happy. That's, that's probably the most important thing. Other things, don't be afraid to try new things. Get out of your comfort zone. 
go to new places, make new investments, meet new people, really push yourself beyond what you thought you were capable of. Uh, that's a huge issue with a lot of people is they know what they need to do and they know how to do it. They can put goals and a plan together and uh, have everything ready to execute on, but they don't do it because they either get too lazy or they're afraid to do it or they have concerns or they have doubts about themselves and they don't spend enough time building themselves up and educating themselves and they don't execute. So they got to execute on what they want to do. They got to educate themselves. You got to make themselves uncomfortable. You got to do what you love. I don't know. There's so many things. Um, you can give advice all day long. I think those are probably some of the most important ones. Yeah, I love it. Last question we have too is what gets you personally fired up every day and gets you like so excited for the day? What, what makes you want to seize each day? Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people about this actually. And it's, it's kind of funny because I'm so competitive. What, what fires me up every day is knowing that there is someone out there, someone that's exactly like me doing the very same things, that's the same age, um, with the same amount of money, and I'm going to bed at 9, and they're not going to bed until 10, and they're beating me. And it drives me crazy to think about it. There's, there's somebody out there that's in the same situation as me that's doing a little bit more. And it, it bothers me, and I'm like, there's no way. If they're staying up till 10, I'm going to stay up till 11. <laughs> and I can drive myself crazy a little bit. But at the same time, it's good because it pushes me uh, personally, just myself, consider the fact that there are people that have a similar situation to me that are probably trying to work harder than me that might be doing a little bit more. And it fires me up because I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to miss an opportunity to do something. If I can do something for five, if I can be on the treadmill 10 minutes longer, um, if I can get up, 10 minutes earlier, I can spend 10 more minutes working on something. I'm getting so much more done than if I didn't allocate 10 more minutes to something. Um, and I guarantee you there's someone out there that is doing that, that is allocating 10 more minutes to doing something that I'm not doing. And I don't like that feeling. I don't like feeling someone else is, you know, outworking me. And I don't like to feel lazy. I don't feel like to feel like I'm not pushing myself to the potential. I know I could push myself. What's 10 more minutes? What's uh, one more one more chapter of a book? What's one, 10 more minutes of a podcast? What's eating an extra chicken? What's running for another minute? Uh, you know, just little things in life like that really fire me up because I'm like, I can always do one more thing, one more rep. I don't know. That's the biggest thing that fires me up, just knowing there's someone out there and I know there's someone out there and I'm not going to let them outwork me. I'm going to outwork them before I think they're going to outwork me. Maybe that sounds crazy. Maybe that sounds really insane, but... Hey, it's obviously worked for you very well. I mean, uh, for those who aren't uh, able to see on camera, Brandon definitely has some big muscles. He uh, has that financial freedom. He's in great shape, living where he wants to go. He's in the, uh, has a relationship with a beautiful girlfriend. And so he's, he's definitely figured out using that competitive advantage to his advantage. So uh, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's great to see how well it's working. And... Brandon, this has been so awesome, so amazing. If people want to like fanboy, fangirl all over you and get a hold of you, contact you, how, how can they reach you? Yeah, they can go to my website, blockhashpodcast.com, and they can reach out to me there. There's a form they can fill out, and I'll just send them my email, or they can just email me, blockhashteam at gmail. If you want to reach out about stuff in Columbia and the business we're doing down here, 
zemp at blockcolumbia.com.co. You can reach me. You can find me on social media pretty easily at the blockhash or at zemp capital on Instagram, on Twitter, LinkedIn. Just Google my name. It'll pop up. <laughs> I'm not hard to find. Like I'm pretty public. So you just, you put Brandon Zemp on Google, everything's going to pop up and you'll be able to contact me one way or another. And I have everything at LinkedIn. I have Discord. I have Medium. So, you know, just whatever you're on, you know, it's the best way, to, uh, whatever's best for you, just reach out to me there and do my best to get back to you if you guys have questions. Perfect. All right. Well, we're excited to connect with you more, Brandon. I definitely know I'm going to hold you on the, uh, the podcast in the future. And another quick thing I want to do. So today is January 29th, 2022. If we were to host you a year from now, or actually, when do you want to say that you'll make Forbes 30 under 30? Like, do you think it'll be two years from now? It'll be uh, three years from now? When do you want to set that goal for yourself if you were to manifest starting from today? Well, I want to give myself as much time as possible. So I'm going to say that the, the last minute on the last day. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like literally 30 under 30. I don't know if, the, if being at 30 counts as 30 under 30. I think so, right? Maybe. So 28, Maybe. 29 and 30. So I either got two years or three years. Um, I'm definitely going to try and push for it. I'm going to work hard for it. But if I don't you know, actually get it, I don't really care. But where it's going to set me up is um, you know, the most important part. So we'll see. It'd be pretty cool if I can make it. All right, well, mark, mark your calendars, everyone. You might see his name pretty soon, and I'll definitely have to host you back on the podcast or the uh, live stream when that happens. But it's, it's like you said, life's about the journey, not always the destination. I'm excited to see the man you continue to become uh, along that journey. So thank you again for coming on today. This has been a huge blast. Uh, definitely reach out to Brandon if you want to learn more about investing, learn about his company, learn how to be successful, and uh, we'll see you all in the next episode. So thanks again for coming on today, Brandon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. No problem. All right. See you all next week, y'all. Cheers. Ciao. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.